Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the worship service from the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, on Sunday, May 1st, 2022, the third Sunday of Easter. Hallelujah! Now, some of you did that, but I saw some of you were like, hmm, let's try that again. Hallelujah! Amen. We're worshiping in person and online. This is our, our standard practice now these days, and we're welcoming all of you who are joining us in person and joining us through technology. Masks are recommended and not required, and so we are just asking that you are sensitive to your neighbor's concerns about uh, their health safety. If you know me well enough, you know that I am a cougher. I was coughing a whole bunch before the pandemic started. I have all this sinus drip or something or other, so it sounds like I'm sick when I'm really not sick. But sometimes when I'm sick, I'm coughing, and you might think that I'm not sick, but I am sick. So stay away from me. Just, I mean, the safest thing is just to stay away from me. I am coughing a little bit today, and so I'm saying that just as a prelude to you. I have been tested. I don't have COVID. Um, I've got something that my grandson enjoyed sharing with me when he was visiting uh, a week or so ago, and so now I'm sounding more and more like this. But um, all is well, kind of. A few quick reminders of what's going on. We're thankful with the flowers here, and we are celebrating uh, Matt and Pam Myron's 20th anniversary with those flowers. We uh, congratulate them on this accomplishment of staying together and having a strong, loving family. Uh, some other announcements. The, the Mana Food Drive, which we do every month, will be uh, next Sunday. Get that on your calendar. Uh, there's a very interesting thing that the Social Concerns Committee is doing. They're having a refugee uh, give a program for us. Now, this is a, a refugee from the 1940s from Latvia, uh, Adis Peterson, who will be uh, sharing the refugee story. And I think the excitement of this is that in the hearing of his story, or her story, I'm, I'm really not sure, his story, I believe, um, we're going to get a glimpse of what it's like to actually be a refugee and how uh, Part of the trauma and the struggle that uh, went on in his story back in the 1940s is going on this very day with, with people fleeing places around the globe that are, are hot spots and, and stimulating our compassion to help, help them to go on with life. And so it, I think, is going to be a great thing to pay attention to. Sunday, May 22nd, on Zoom at uh, 4 p.m. Caneo Connects, affectionately known by those on the inside as Koku, is, uh, is happening on Tuesday again. It's at Thousand Oaks uh, this week and next week, though because of some things going on in, in Pastor Anner's life, I am going to be the, the clergy presenter uh, this next Tuesday. So I welcome you to come and, and join with us. It starts at 530. Remember, it's, it's food, it's program, and then it's a little bit of a worship. Coming up, though, besides these uh, midweek things, Tuesday for the next few weeks and then Wednesday for three weeks after that, we're looking at a Vacation Bible School summer event that the three churches share, as well as our Pizzazz Music Camp as something that the three churches share. So we're, we're looking for Pizzazz to be publicized in the other three churches and, and to encourage their participation and will be um, encouraging uh, the reestablishment of Vacation Bible School as something in person going on. The Pizzazz, of course, will be here. The Vacation Bible School will be at the Thousand or at the uh, St. Matthew's at the St. Matthew's campus, uh, just as our confirmation party, which all three churches are going to be participating in, will be at the Thousand Oaks campus. So this is kind of exciting stuff. The way we're uh, connecting our campuses. I hope it's uh, getting your attention and, and something that you're looking forward to participating in. Today we are starting a special sermon series, a special series for our worship services in May based upon the life experiences of some of our laity, specifically highlighting how, how their faith, how their faith has been shaped 
and their spirituality formed. If you've been uh, kind of tracking what Rachel and I have been preaching on over these months, we've been, we've been giving sermons that have been trying to encourage uh, our listeners to uh, connect at a deeper level with God and work in partnership with God to blossom forward a life of faithfulness uh, incrementally more strong than what it was the week before or dramatically more strong because of the power of God's impact in your life. We've been encouraging that, realizing that the pandemic has kind of uh, created a situation in which we might actually be a little bit more sensitive to the speed, uh, Spirit's leading and the impact of God uh, directing us in one, one way or another to be uh, more faithful in the context of the challenges that we're facing. Anyway, it, we, we think this is going to be in a very exciting sermon series for you, and, and we hope that it is. It's going to be a, a sermon series in which the, uh, the parishioner is sharing his or her faith story uh, to us, and, and I'm here with him or her helping to prompt along the telling of their traveler's tale. All right, then, let us center ourselves and worship our living Lord. in body or spirit as we join in our call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad May you celebrate this day and the promise it holds for new tomorrows, unwritten as yet, but awaiting your loving attention. Oh. 
Holy God, strengthen our spiritual resolve to seek your way in our lives, that we might be partners in your new creation and helpers of our brothers and sisters along the way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. everyone. Now's the time in our worship service where I have the opportunity to talk to the children of our church, and I love that you came out just to hear me, sir. I appreciate that. I, so you guys may have heard Pastor Walt talk about the fact that we're going to be talking about traveler's tales for the next several weeks. Four members of our church are going to sit down with Pastor Walt in these seats to talk about their faith journey and how God has been active in their lives. Now, if I was going to tell you my traveler's tale, I would tell you that camp was a big part of my experience getting to know God. And I got to tell you, singing that song without clapping and saying, and Jesus said, is really difficult. <laughs> it's really difficult for me because I'm so accustomed to singing it that way. But it's lovely whichever way we sing it. And it's a great message reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world and that Jesus comes to give us love and to share that light with us. I hope that you know more than anything that it's not just the adults that have tales to tell, that it's not just the adults that have something to say about God. Each and every one of us has something to say about God and how we've encountered God in our lives. In four weeks' time, our youth are actually going to conclude the sermon series by sharing their stories of faith with us uh, in a slightly different format than what you're going to be experiencing for the next three, three to four worship services. Um, but it will be a service of the youth telling us their faith story. And if you guys at any point want to sit down with me or meet on a Zoom call or whatever else so that we can talk about your story and maybe you could take over the children's moment for a week, we can talk about that as well. So, because you have a tale to tell too, and I think that's so important for us to remember. It's not just the adults that can talk about Jesus and God. All of us can. Can you guys give me an opportunity, or will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? <laughs> Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, Thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. And thank you for all of our yesterdays. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to be the light of our world. Help us to see the ways that you are inviting us to share your story. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Those that are preschool and kindergarten can head off with Miss Pam to Sunday school. Let us be in the spirit of prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we greet you this day with praise and thanksgiving in awe of the ways in which your spirit has already flown so freely in this worship service and in our lives. We give you thanks for the love that you have extended to us and the invitation that you extend to us to love others just as you have loved us. Help us to go into the world as your disciples, radiating your light, radiating your love to those in need so that they might experience your grace, might experience hope found in you through the ways in which we live our lives and how we profoundly profess our faith in you. We thank you for the ways in which you have continued to mold us and shape us, inviting us to grow and be transformed into your disciples, building your kingdom. This day, Lord, we come to you with the prayers of our church community. 
lifting up those concerns and those joys in our midst. We lift up prayers for Sandy Nodoff, who is in the hospital after having one of her kidneys removed earlier this week. Offer her healing and allow her to return home to Bill when the time is right. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Warren Tabutal, who is in the hospital with diverticulosis. Help the doctors find the source of the bleeding and renew Warren's strength. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We join Gary Evans in holding the family and friends of Pat Burner in prayer as they grieve her passing. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Tom Hopkins, who is recovering from shoulder surgery. We give thanks that the surgery was successful and that his healing is progressing well. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Catherine Straddling, who is in the hospital once again, suffering from intracranial pressure. Be with her specialist as they discern the best course of treatment to, to address this ongoing problem. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we don't just come to you with concerns, but we come to you with joys as well. We celebrate with Linda Northrup, who was named Woman of the Year by the Chamber of Com Commerce recently. Be with her as she celebrates and she lives into what it means to have this role. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. And Lord, we celebrate the, the planning, visioning session that took place on this campus yesterday and the ways in which your spirit flowed freely through conversation and gave us vision and inspiration and guidance for what our next steps might be for how the church lives into the future and where we want to see ourselves in three to five years. Help us to live into those visions and truly build the congregation and the community that you desire for us. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We take a moment to be in silence to lift up the prayers that are on our hearts this day. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son, who taught us to say when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Uh, that, first, that first piece of music reminded Rachel of camp. This reminded me of uh, praise band music that we played in the past with a guitar that would just go boom, boom, with the power of your love part right there. You sang it so nice, so sweet. Uh, good job. But we do have different experiences, don't we, of, of things, of the Spirit's impact on our life. We are nudged forward. We are sometimes uh, stopped and stood up by the Spirit with uh, music, words that we hear in Scripture, words that people say to us that, that challenge our thinking and, and get us to perhaps even reconsider how it is that we are doing our lives, uh, living our faith. All to the good. All to the good. So today we are beginning this sermon series where we're going to hear the witness, hear the uh, traveler's tale of, of one of our parishioners. And our hope is that we will not only get to know her better, so that we can uh, recognize the excitement of her life and her family and what God is doing. But we'll also perhaps be nudged ourselves, be encouraged ourselves to, to look for new points or uh, deeper points of contact with God. So we are thankful for Julie Elgener, who has uh, mustered the courage to be our first uh, teller of traveler tales. Julie is married to John. John is with us today and has two children, Jack and James, and they are with us today too. We are glad that the family is here in worship to support you, Julie. Julie is one of our lay leaders of the church. She is a primary resource for us in managing the pandemic, uh, being a a professor of public health at UCLA, we turned to her often saying, what does this mean? What might we best be able to do? Uh, she's been invaluable to us in our moving forward in a safe and, and healthy consensus of a way. And she also is the person who has helped to guide the development of our new collaborative ministry, which we started launching this spring affectionately known to all as Koku. Kaneo Connects. So Julie chose the music for us this morning, at least the two hymns that we sang or will be singing, and she also chose scripture for us today, and so I want to share with you uh, the scripture passage that 
that Julie chose to uh, give a foundation to her sharing this morning. And it is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Amen. Julie, come on down. Let's chat. Good morning. I have to tell you that when um, I was being fitted for this, my 10-year-old son took a look and he's like, Mom, you look so cool. You look like Elastigirl. Like a what? Elastigirl. You need to watch some Disney movies. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In, I, your, in your free time. <laughs> <laughs> well, those, those years are coming. Those, those years are coming. They will. Um, They'll come back. Yeah. So, welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for, for agreeing to do this. And, sure. and I think let's just begin with, with asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about um, your background, and uh, maybe a little bit about the beginnings of your faith. Sure. So uh, I brought this up here only as a, uh, to keep me on time and on task. It's not that I don't remember my background, but um, <laughs> I... I'm originally from the Midwest. I'm from Minnesota, Wisconsin. Uh, and unlike many of you, I didn't grow up in a church family. Um, I, you know, I was lack of stigma, if you want to say stigma, um, really plagued what was happening in the 1970s. I grew up with a single mom. And at that time, there really wasn't a lot of warmth and welcoming for single moms. And moms that were also um, career professionals to be re really welcomed into churches. And so um, periodically we would attend the Missouri Synod Church, a Lutheran church, which um, is pretty, I'd say pretty hardcore. And by that I mean not anything disparaging, but just um, uh, very traditional dogma, very traditional services, and... Um, I remember as a child being very afraid of God. Mm. I remember being very afraid. And, and for whatever reason, I wasn't fearful of Jesus. Jesus had presented like this pretty warmth and welcoming and all the children come to me and just this incredible openness to the Jesus figure that was being presented and this direct dichotomy compared to God. And that really stuck with me. My grandmother lived with us. My grandmother had 13 children, mm. seven of which lived into adulthood. And so she experienced a lot of tragedy um, and, and lived in extreme poverty. And um, at that inflection point in my early life, I really chose love and Jesus's definition and like what he envisioned of people coming to him. I remember just letting go of the fear for whatever reason and just really focusing in on that portion that was love-based. Yeah, and, and I find that really interesting because a, a number of people out of different religious traditions find their motivation to faith being fear. Yeah. And needing, needing to live up to, to certain uh, doctrinal points or behavioral points, which if they did not, if they're not totally successful at that, they're in big trouble. Um, either... Uh, ultimately, with yeah. hell, or with some kind of punishment that God is going to visit upon them right now. And if, if that was kind of the environment, where did this loving Jesus come from? How did, how did a loving Jesus sneak into your life? I had people in my life that were very love-based. I like to say jokingly that my love language is service. If anyone has read the languages of love, my love language is service. I give. Like, that. that is how I demonstrate my love. And, and I, had modeled, I had that modeled in my life, but it wasn't through like the traditional church, I would yeah. say. And so I'm not really sure where it came in. I just am thankful that it did. Yeah. And I'm thankful that that way of modeling Jesus and modeling love and modeling God and modeling faith really presented itself through service. It, it makes me think that that God is at work sometimes in spite of the church. Maybe. You know, and, and, and sometimes, a, sometimes a congregation or a, a denomination can have a, a take on God 
which maybe some people find helpful, but others don't. And, and God isn't caught captive in that one point of view, but God's love, God's grace finds its way into our lives. It seems like it found its way into it your did. life. It did, for sure. And I remember just, and you'll hear me say this, oh, like just being open, just being open to the possibility that there could be love over fear. Yeah, yeah. Even as a, as a very young child. Big thing, big pillar to who you are, having that as in your background. Definitely. So I remember as you were talking to me, you were saying that you, you did have some difficult uh, high school years. Yep. There was, um, I did. Say, say more about Yeah. So my middle and high school years, I lived in Wisconsin, and um, you know I had a lot of instability in my life. Um, my parents each got remarried, and um, we moved from Minnesota to Nebraska to Wisconsin. Um, I moved from suburbia, Minneapolis, to extreme rural, um, like, you know, 10 miles to the closest town. The closest McDonald's at the time was 25 miles away, Whoa. which when you're 13 years old, that's, you know, that's a lot to kind of yeah. grapple with, you know, some of those kinds of things. Um, and unfortunately, addiction really plagued my mother. Um, and so gambling addiction and alcohol addiction, and, you know, we were not food insecure, but we were close. We were not at the poverty line, but we were close. And so my mom, because she's phenomenally, or she was phenomenally resourceful, um, we were doing farm to table before farm to table was a thing. Yeah, and it wow. was largely through bartering for firewood and for hay for the horses and for all these other kinds of things. And she also had a service language, you know, in to give to others and I remember people being over at our house and she doing you know doing these ladies hair and you know some of those kinds of things but um, this love of gardening that my mother had um, really at the time I resented it because I would have to pick snap beans and if anyone's ever gone through this like how many pounds of beans can you snap right I mean <laughs> honestly I can snap beans like nobody's business right so, but it really fostered in me a connection to food and to okay. healthy food and to nurturing and the power of food. And in my professional life now, you know, we can talk more about that later, but like the need to really make sure there's food security and not food deserts and some of these other things. And that really was another inflection point in my life, just recognizing that I knew I needed a pathway out. I knew I needed a pathway out of that life. I wasn't sure how. Ultimately, it was through my academics and through my athletics. I, I did very well in school. I was valedictorian of my high school. And ultimately, um, in Wisconsin, if you were valedictorian, you got a free ride to go to the University of Wisconsin. And which makes sense, right? They want to keep their really terrific students in the schools, in the, in the university. And so I was ready to go to the University of Wisconsin. I was following the pathway that everybody wanted me to go down. It was going to provide a free education at a fantastic school. But there was something that was sitting in me that, and I think about where my son is now, who's 16 and is on this pathway of, of college decisions. And, you know, it just wasn't, it just wasn't right for my yeah. path. Wow. And, and I knew that. And so my next inflection point was just really trusting in him and being open to what that meant. And it led me to a liberal arts school that ultimately um, was foundational in nurturing those other port, port parts of my life that needed to be nurtured. Now you said that phrase, trusting in him. And, and I'm, I'm thinking that what you were saying was trusting in God yes. in, in that process. So, so in that process of things being... Um, Much promise, much potential, uncertain, uh, seeking clarity, seeking discernment. How was how God a part of that for you? When, when you say trusting in him, what do you mean by that? Uh, I go back to, I, was, I really did not know what was going to be, what my pathway was going to be. And it would have been very easy for me to take a pathway that was fear-based um, because it would have checked so many of those boxes. But I come back to being open and allowing God to send you in a direction that you're not entirely sure. And that, that's what it was. And it ultimately, you know, for my undergraduate, 
led me to a small liberal arts school um, instead of, and, and I had to turn down the University of Wisconsin. And, you know, <clears throat> that was tough. That was really tough. And having that courage at 18 to say, that's not where I need to be. I was enrolled in Celery Hall. I mean, I was like all in. I was going to go to the University of Wisconsin. Um, and I was a little bit afraid that I was letting down my teachers and my faculty and my, you know, all these other, but um, it was a better pathway for me and allowed me to play one year of, um, of basketball at a Division three school, ultimately blew out my knee for the second time. I realized I'm not going to play in the WNBA, like this is ridiculous. So, um, you know, let that, had to let that go yeah. also. W were you a praying person at the time? Is, is that how yeah, you I got was, a I sense would say of God's leading? I was a leading? praying person. I was a faith-based person. I wasn't a church-going person. Right. Right. I was a faith-based person. Yeah, because I think a lot of us wonder how do we how do we connect to God? How how do we hear God's leading? Yeah, and and it's not just necessarily thoughts we have. Some some of those thoughts might be prompted yeah. by God's Spirit, and some may not. Right, and but you had you had a confidence that what you were sensing of the of the different path that that was God's leading of you towards that thing. And it was, it was. And it ultimately led me to a liberal arts-based school that um, it's called Carthage College outside of um, Chicago. It's um, an ELCA Lutheran church. It's very similar to Cal Lu. And it had a, an ecumenical component, which I think was also very healthy for me. And yeah. just in general, recognizing that, you know, there is room for faith regardless of, um, of church affiliation. You know, and and, um, and Carthage did a wonderful job. Every every Wednesday from ten until eleven, there were no classes, nothing was scheduled, and it was just an open time for people to worship, to come together. To Coretta Scott King came and spoke. I mean, just people who were inspirational and social justice issues, and you know the the belief that you can be who you are, you can be a critical thinker, but you can be rooted in faith also. And it was also a place of service. Like service was a big part of that experience. And that's my love language. So that yeah. made a lot of sense for me. Yeah, what a great, uh, what a great set of experiences yeah. you had there in that college. I did. That was yours because you dared to follow a little bit of a different path than maybe what was obviously set out in front of you. And it was really at that point that, again, in terms of like an inflection point, my commitment to using my talents and treasures, what yeah. has God has given to me to serve others in the communities in which I am living, you know, wherever that might take me. And it took me, in, you know, I, I moved at that point, then I moved from Chicago, I moved to DC, I know I moved originally, eventually moved to LA. You know, I, at that point in my like young adult life or early adult life, I was in the pursuit of multiple degrees. You know, I was working 60 and 70 hour weeks. I was traveling 80,000 miles a year. You know, like, I, I was doing a lot. <laughs> well, you were busy, huh? Yeah, I was busy. I yeah. was busy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was... But a career, a career emerged. Right. And, uh, and a family emerged in all of that busyness, that traveling. Yeah. Do you feel that you were experimenting with different careers or were you just... Um, diving deeper into a focus and, and getting more solidified into what your calling was? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I, I have an undergraduate degree in accounting. I did very well. I worked for Abbott Laboratories, which is a big um, pharmaceutical company. I worked in accounting. Ultimately, I realized that my personality, which if you talk to me outside of church, you'll notice I have a much larger personality than what many accountants do. No offense, <laughs> any accountants. <laughs> but um, just realized that that was not the pathway for me. So I ultimately went to um, business school on the East Coast, got my MBA, and um, realized that a better fit for me was probably in biotechnology. In the midst of all of that, I was also a caregiver for a family member with a terminal illness. And I really, it embedded in me the role of patient advocacy and, and what mm. it means to be a patient advocate. And that sat with me. And that was kind of the early foundational work for both my public health career, which I ultimately pursued, and my advocacy work, which I'll, I'll talk more about in a minute. But um, so yeah, I was both dabbling, but I was also, again, just open, open to the fact that there are opportunities that we may not even consider, because you just, you don't know. How many of you knew what public health was before two years ago? Not many people. Not many people had any yeah. idea what public health was. 
And by the way, that's only one small portion of public health. That's the epidemiological portion of public health. There's all these other things of public health that we work on that you don't think about, we don't think about because it's going on you know, at the 30,000 foot level to make sure that we have health opportunities and health um, reduction of health inequities for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm, I'm sensing that you could go on for a couple hours. Yeah, and I don't want to. On public health. Just, just on public health. I could. That's a whole other conversation. But I just want to share... And that the, would benefit yeah. us. That would be a benefit for us. But, but say a little bit more about this, um, this inflection point in, in which you are getting to be more clearly focused on public health, but also more clearly focused on what God is doing through you. Sure in that, that sense of service that seems to be so, so powerful for you. So one of the things that happened in that time is that I became a runner. And I never would have imagined I would become a runner. I was an athlete in high school and college, and running was punishment. Yes, right. If you messed up, you ran. Or even worse, if you messed up, the whole rest of the team ran. And you stood there and watched. And so running to me was equated with punishment. Yeah. And during that time, just... I was living in D.C., and I, I, I just was open to, I started running. And I realized that something happened when I ran. It freed up my ability to think. Mm. Once you get through the labored breathing and everything's hurting and everything else, like once you, once you let go of that. And it just, <laughs> it, it just freed up my ability to listen. Listen to my thoughts and to listen to God. And and no offense to the time spent in the church, but what happened to me during that time is that I realized that where I speak to God is when I'm running and when I'm on the trails and when I'm open in God's incredible bounty that provides with us, that's my time. And so that was a foundational op also component where I realized we have to meet people where they're at. We have to meet people where they are speaking to God, where they are communicating, not where we want to communicate with them. Yes. And that was a really important, meaningful inflection point. And then, yes, you know, so professionally, adulthood, public life, you know, in the last 17 years, um, I became a mother, which um, by far is my greatest accomplishment, like without a doubt. My role as a mother... Um, supersedes anything, anything, ever. Um, but I will also say that um, I also really started to align my direct service work, my philanthropy work, with advocacy, with lifting up voices that are otherwise not lifted up. And through various populations that I work with, vulnerable populations, human trafficking victims, food insecure victims, you know, people that, quite honestly, many of them don't vote. And so they op don't get heard because they just don't. And so I like to say about my advocacy and also my faith is that advocacy is not a spectator sport. And I teach that in my class. It's not something you do on the sidelines. And, and when you decide to be an advocate, it means you are invariably drawing a proverbial line in the sand and you're saying, I'm, I'm here on this issue. And there's going to be people that are over there on that issue, on the same issue. And you have to be okay with it. You have to be okay with it. The people pleaser in me, I like to say I'm a reformed people pleaser. The reformed people pleaser in me had to let go of the fact that people aren't going to like that. Yeah, sometimes they don't like you when you advocate for something. Exactly. But you, but you felt led by God and by that just sense of human compassion in your heart to become an advocate for, sure. for some people that were marginalized in, in the healthcare. Uh, Absolutely, arena. and not just in healthcare, in in society, in our public, in in how our society has evolved. Um, I absolutely feel very compelled, and and I'll tell you, Walt, and I shared with this with you, you know, a, a while ago, but I still feel the same way. The schism that we experienced with the United Methodist Church. I didn't grow up in the church. My husband grew up in the church, but I told him a, a few years ago. This whole issue around in inclusivity, and whether it's LGBTQ issues or Black Lives Matter issues or whatever it might be, if we in this church can't embrace everyone, if we can't 
love and outreach to those that have felt othered, that those that have felt less, those that have been marginalized, this is a deal breaker for me. I can't be part of an organization that, that does that. I can't. And so I'm so thankful that we are where we are as a congregation and, and as we're moving forward because um, I have been the othered. Not yes. from a standpoint of LGBTQ or Black Lives Matter. I'm not, not even close to what, what has been, they've been experiencing. But I have been othered. And I come from a place of love. And I come from a place of we have to be all, we have to be demonstrating God's love and Jesus' love through all of our actions. And I'm not a saint. Oh, my gosh. Ask my children. Like, <laughs> but they know where I stand on issues, uh-huh. and they know where I stand with my love and my faith yes. and how I try to connect with others. This sounds like a, a real sense of ministry, of a layperson engaging in ministry, of trying to make real God's love in the world in their lives, in the arena that they can touch, where they can make a difference. Bless you. Bless you for that. Is there, is there any last word? I'm noticing that um, we're, we're getting later in the hour. Is there any last word that you would want to say to us? Uh, maybe um, take your opportunity. Uh, I, I think it would just be um, choose love over fear. Make decisions based out of love, not fear. Trust in him. Use your talents and treasures in the communities in which you serve, where you live. Um, Minister to people where they're at, not where you want them to be. Hmm. And demonstrate your faith through your actions. That would be it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Julie. Sure. Everyone, let's thank Julie. again, Julie, for sharing your witness with us. And I don't even know if I need to do a call for stewardship because I think you set that up so well. Use your talents and treasures where you're at. Meet people where they're at. The gifts that we give to the church allow us to do just that. They present our talents and treasures to God in ways that transform the world so that we are sharing God's love and making sure that others don't feel like they're othered in the process. Let us present our gifts to God as we receive the gift of music.
Unite your spirits with mine as we prepare ourselves to receive the Lord's Supper. Blessed are you, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Therefore, with your people in all ages and the whole company of heaven, we join in the song of unending praise, saying, Holy, holy, holy holy Lord, Lord, God God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna Hosanna in the highest. Truly holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. On the night he offered himself up for us, he took bread give thanks to you, broke the bread, and offered it to all of his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the meal was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you once more, and offered it to his disciples, saying, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Send your power of the Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts, that in the breaking of this bread and in the drinking of the cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ, be renewed by his body and transformed into his likeness, faithfully serve him in the world, and look forward to his coming and final victory. Through him, with him, in him, in unity with the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God now and forever. Amen. We invite you to partake of your elements. up our voice and praise God once again and give voice to our dedication of moving out in God's spirit through service. Uh, Please stand and let's uh, join and sing.
We hope this service has been a blessing to you. May the story you've heard encourage you to to further partner with God in, in writing your own story so that you too might be further blessed by divine grace and redemptive love. Faith is not a spectator sport. Engage God. Engage your neighbor. Experience the spirit and live your faith. Be safe. Stay healthy. Know that you are loved. Amen. Amen.